Thank you, Pastor, and thank you, church family, for your kind invitation. Uh, we are so privileged to be here, and uh, not a coincidence that we were here just before we left uh, to Mauritius to share with you a little bit about the trip, and uh, now I've got to share with you the end of the, co- end of the matter, amen, and uh, we appreciate your prayers, and I trust you'll allow me to encourage you regarding missions once again this morning. Uh, earlier today, we looked at the need to surrender to go, to surrender to serve right here on our mission field. And this morning now, we're going to look at the need to surrender to support, the need to surrender to support. Please turn with me back to Acts chapter number 9, to our Bible reading this morning, Acts chapter number 9. I'll just read some verses from verse 22 to 25, and then we'll pray. Acts chapter number 9, beginning in verse 22. But Saul increased the more in strength, and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him, but their laying await was known of Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Lord's Day where we can gather together as your people to worship you. We thank you for the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of God unto salvation. Lord, help us to open our eyes to see not only a field that is white unto harvest, but also to see, Lord, the joy and the privilege we have in investing in that harvest and laboring together for the sake of the gospel in the regions beyond. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Many of you may have heard of the missionary William Carey of bygone eras. William was one of the first missionaries to be sent out from uh, the great missionary country that became of England. And uh, he became known as the father of modern missions. In his day, sadly, people did not see the importance of sending missionaries to other countries. William Carey was surrendered to go to India. And he had to go from church to church, conference to conference, to try and convince people of the need of missionaries to go. And he would use this illustration, he would say, You know, I feel like as if there is a man drowning in a well and screaming out from the bottom of the well. And he said, I'm willing to go down into the well to save the man, but I need some people up top to hold the rope for me as I go down. And actually, that's what happened to William Carey. He went to the mission field of India, and there are a number of brethren that held the rope for him, that prayed for him that encouraged other churches to support him as a missionary so that he could go and do what God had called him to do. Now, the way missions has been done since then has changed and refined, but one thing that hasn't changed is what we read of in Romans chapter 10. How shall they hear without a preacher? Some need to go, amen? But then the next verse, how shall they preach except they be sent. Now there's the truth that I'll call your attention to this morning. If you remember anything from the message today, 
please remember that missions work is teamwork. Missions work is teamwork. The goers and the senders are one. Amen? The goers and the senders are one. William Carey understood that. He said, hey, I need you to hold the rope. I can't just leap off into the darkness alone. I need you to hold the rope. And perhaps more so at any time in Paul's ministry during his early years, he understood that too. Here we see Paul's dramatic escape from the city of Damascus. If you're anything like me, you've probably read these verses and, and uh, you know, your hair has stood up on the back of your neck thinking how narrowly he escaped with his life. What it must have been like to be the Apostle Paul and to be let down uh, through a window in the wall uh, in a basket and at night escape to safety and then go off uh, into the future. What it must have been like for him. And, uh, and as we read these verses, though there's another group there that we often don't pay attention to, and that is those disciples in verse number 25. The Bible reveals that a group of disciples, we don't know how many, we don't know who they are, but a group of disciples that night helped Paul escape and they literally held the rope for Paul. And because of these disciples, he was able to go off and do what God wanted him to do ultimately coming a missionary to the Gentiles. So this morning, we're going to look at the importance of the rope holders. Amen? The importance of the rope holders. And we're going to ask the question, who will hold the missionary rope? Who will hold the missionary rope? Let's begin in verse number 25. Then the disciples took him by night. For what reason should we partner with missionaries? What is one truth that we ought to be reminded of this morning when it comes to the teamwork that is missions? Well, let's be reminded this morning that holding the rope is an investment in eternity. Holding the rope is an investment in eternity. Now think of these disciples for a moment. How well do you think they knew the Apostle Paul? He'd only been a Christian for a few years. By now it was probably his third year as a born-again believer, how well do you think they knew him? He wasn't in Damascus the whole time we know. He was in the desert for a season where Christ taught him. Now he was back in Damascus. Here's another question. How well do you think these disciples knew what God was going to do through the life and ministry of the great Apostle Paul? Would you agree it probably was very little? Maybe they knew nothing about him, except that he was a bold preacher of the gospel. And his life was in danger for preaching so boldly. Now here's an amazing reality. Not a dream, but a reality. Imagine these disciples one day in heaven realizing what they had a hand in that night. Amen? Now listen, the Apostle Paul wasn't just any ordinary missionary. And no missionary, of course, is ordinary. But it's no understatement to say that he was no doubt the greatest missionary that ever lived. He was a chosen vessel by God. What God had planned for him to do through him was spectacular. God revealed that to one disciple named Ananias. Notice verse 15. Ananias was a bit fearful about receiving the dreaded Saul of Tarsus. Supposedly he became a Christian. Ananias was worried. I don't blame him. 
and uh, he, was, he was thinking, well, he's the one that kills Christians. Is he really saved? Is he really a believer? God encouraged Ananias with this, verse 15, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he, that is Paul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. God had an amazing plan for the Apostle Paul. Now, in and of himself, he would say, and we know he did, I am what I am by the grace of God. I am the chief of sinners. He was a chosen vessel of God. But God did mighty things through him, did he not? Wow. What an amazing example. The missionary, the apostle Paul. He took the gospel to the Gentiles. What does that mean for us? Well, realize it's because of the apostle Paul we have the gospel today in Sydney, Australia. He took the gospel to Europe. Where did it go from there? It went to England, amen? Where did it go from England? Well, it went to America. And where did the gospel go from England and America? Well, it came to Australia. Praise God. Missionaries came from those countries to bring the gospel to Australia. And it's no understatement that countless souls have been saved through the missionary endeavors of the Apostle Paul. Now back to these disciples. Think of them now in eternity. How excited and privileged and amazed they would have been to see what God had done through the Apostle Paul and the investment they made that night in this turning point of the Apostle Paul's ministry, saving him from death with their own two hands, and therefore he could go off to preach the gospel and do what God wanted him to do. Imagine the joy in eternity. Imagine the rejoicing. Brethren, that's what we need to keep in mind when it comes to missions. Hey, we're all the same, aren't we? We can get a little bit cold and dry and forget. You know, it's an interesting parallel in the Christian life, an interesting irony, I should say, that uh, so often we don't see our sins as we should in the light of God's holiness. We sugarcoat them and we think they're okay, and then God reveals in His Word how bad they really are. And then suddenly we're heartbroken, amen? And it brings us to repentance and and it brings us to be brought back to our loving Savior's arms who cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We can have close fellowship once again. But on the other side, so often we forget the enormity and the privilege and the blessing of all that we have in Christ and in our local church and in the work of missions. We forget about that, don't we? We forget that every prayer we pray for a missionary is an investment in eternity. Everything we give to God for missions is an investment in eternity. And that's what should excite us about partnering together. Amen? You know the Portillos, church family? They need you to hold the rope. Amen? They need you to hold the rope. Don't forget that every blessing through their ministry is a blessing that is given to you. Where do we see that in the Scriptures? I'm glad you asked. Philippians chapter 4. Keep your finger there in Acts chapter 9. Just getting warmed up. Philippians chapter number 4. Where does the Bible say that what a missionary does is a benefit to us as we support them? Philippians chapter 4 verse number 17 
Notice what Paul says very simply to the believers in Philippi. He says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire what? Say it. Fruit that may abound to your account. So very simply, Paul was receiving support from the believers in Philippi. Paul made it very clear, this isn't what I desire. I'm thankful, but this isn't my chief desire. My chief desire is that fruit may abound to your account. What does that mean? Well, every time Paul led a soul to Christ practically, or Paul was able to be used of God in the ministry, every blessing and every fruit of his ministry was also transferred over spiritually to the account of the believers in Philippi. They would receive the same reward. They would receive an equal reward from Christ because they held the rope for him. They were partnering with the Apostle Paul. And he was excited to tell them this. He said, I'm thankful for your gift, but your gift is earthly. But you know what the reward is, Philippians? Your gift, your reward is eternal and heavenly. Amen? And we ought to get excited. They don't lose sight of the, of the great view of missions we ought to have. You know, I know what it's like when a prayer letter comes in. Maybe you've never even met that missionary before. I'm sure there are missionaries you support you've never met before. And perhaps they'll never have the opportunity of visiting the church here. But yet you pray for them. Amen. You support them. A letter comes in with photos of people that you've never met before. Pray for their salvation. Maybe there's a photo of them and you're looking at them and you don't know who they are. You know, that's the difficulty with missions. So far, so often we're removed, aren't we? from what's taking place there. Well, what ought to stir up our faith? Well, we need to remember, now listen, as we are faithful and as we hold the rope, we may not know those people, we may not know that missionary one day, uh, uh, that missionary very well, but one day in eternity like these disciples, we'll be able to look back with our eyes open and we will see fully what God can see today and realize what an investment, the greatness of the investment that we were a part of, and that ought to excite us to get involved right now. My friends, missions work is investment in eternity. Nothing less. Praise God, what an exciting thing. I dare say these disciples realized that one day. Would to God that we would realize it today. Amen. And I encourage you to hold the missionary rope. Be faithful to your missionaries. Well, certainly holding the rope is an investment in eternity. Notice, secondly, holding the rope is also our divine God-given duty. Now, back in verse number 25 of Acts chapter 9, yes, it ought to excite us that we can invest in eternity through missionaries. That ought to uh, 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 launch us into being more involved, absolutely. But here's a challenging truth. Not only should we see it as our privilege, but also as our duty. Now, these disciples had to make a decision that night of what they were going to do with the Apostle Paul. He was in danger. He was in the city of Damascus, and like all cities in that day, it had very high walls, walls to protect it uh, for defense against attacking armies. And the Apostle Paul was not just a man wanted for questioning. What did they want to do to him if they caught him? What does it say? 
no less than kill him. The Jews had their own laws, didn't they? If they got their hands on him, they would kill him. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, Paul accounts this uh, testimony in another part of the Bible, and he describes how not only the Jews wanted to kill him, but the governor of Damascus also had a garrison of soldiers on the hunt for him, the Apostle Paul. His life was in danger. The Jews were after him. The governor was after him. His life was in danger. So, through a window in the wall, not off the top of the wall, but through a window in the wall, 2 Corinthians tells us, these disciples let him down in a basket to the bottom and he escaped to safety that night. Question, could the Apostle Paul escape the city on his own, yes or no? No. Practically speaking, he couldn't. He couldn't. And I believe these disciples knew that. I know that's very simple and obvious, but here's the point. Imagine if these disciples made up their minds to give a little map to the Apostle Paul with a route to the window. And they said, Paul, brother, we want to help you tonight. We've got a map all drawn up and we're ready to get on your side and we're going to do as much as we can, brother. Here's a map to the exit point. Just follow this route. You'll get to a window in the wall, but don't be afraid when you look out the window. We know that it's a long drop to the bottom and it's dark. But brother, we want to share something with you. They put their arms around him and pat him on the back. And they say, brother, we believe that God is with you. Amen? And we believe that God has something great planned for you. And we're behind you. God bless you, brother Paul. We'll be thinking of you. And brother, we'll even be praying for you. Godspeed. Don't worry. If God has called you. You'll land safety on your feet, brother. Now, you, st- you know, re- you probably realize by now I'm using a little bit of sarcasm. And there's a reason. That would be ridiculous if the disciples did that that night, wouldn't it? We would say, you were nuts. You were crazy. Of course they had to help him out. He couldn't get down the wall on his own. And yet so often, you and I, when it comes to missions, can be just as ridiculous. Amen? We see our missionaries willing to leap off into the darkness and somehow we think they will be okay and all they have to do is jump. And that's not true. Brother, they're willing to go. Amen? The patillos are already there in the darkness of Argentina, but they need someone to hold the rope. Amen? It is our God-given duty. It is our God-given duty to hold the missionary rope. Paul's life was in danger. Paul's life was in danger. And what a turning point in his ministry when these disciples held the rope. And what does he say? At the end of that passage in 2 Corinthians, he says something wonderful. He says, I escaped their hands. I escaped their hands. Here's the picture. Because of the hands of those who held the rope, look up here this morning, because of their hands, what happened? He escaped the hands of the enemy. Where do we find that in the Scriptures? Well, turn with me to 2 Thessalonians, please. 2 Thessalonians. 
We're looking at our duty to hold the missionary rope. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Well, here's the Apostle Paul once again. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. By now you perhaps might be asking, well, how do I hold the missionary rope? Verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us. There it is. That the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not the faith. Acts chapter 9 was just the beginning of Paul's persecution. That wasn't the end. Read through the book of Acts as I'm sure many of you have. And you'll realize that time and time again, Paul's life was in danger. They wanted to kill him everywhere he went. Some places they wanted to stone him. Some places they wanted to drag him before the governors and the magistrates to sentence him to death. People tried to get rid of him. The Jews, the Gentiles, Greeks, Romans. His life was in danger. And here we find the Apostle Paul writing to the believers in Thessalonica. And he shares with us an important truth when it comes to holding the missionary rope. He says, finally, brethren, pray for us. Why? What does prayer do? Well, you see, there were unreasonable and wicked men in verse 2 that were trying to do two things. Verse number 1, they were getting in the way of the gospel. He said, pray that the gospel, uh, for example, like an arrow shot out of a a bow, would launch out and hit its target. Amen? That souls will be saved. Because there are unreasonable and wicked men that are trying to get in between the preacher and the soul that needs to be saved. Trying to stop the gospel. Pray that the gospel would have free course, but also that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. Now listen carefully. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize what Paul is saying, what God is saying. That prayer delivers our missionaries from death and danger. Did you realize that equation? Finally, brethren, pray for us that we may be delivered. What did the disciples do? They held the rope for Paul so that he would be delivered from death that night. And as you and I hold the missionary rope, and as we pray, and as we give, and as we support, you are effectively delivering them from the dangers they face on the mission field. It is our God-given duty, brethren. The missionaries you support work in countries where they face dangers that you and I have not here in Australia. They They face living and ministering in a country that did not have a Christian heritage. Some of you know what a country like that is like. Countries that are steeped in pagan religion, where there are idols everywhere, where there is an oppression that you cannot describe in words, but it's there. You can see it in people's faces. You can see the darkness in their eyes, in their minds, in their conversation. People gripped with idolatry. You saw the video previously. Idols everywhere in Mauritius. It is a frightening thing. They parade them like the, down the streets like it's some sort of a festival 
but they are addicted to their idols. They worship them as gods. They believe in them. They worship them out of fear. Imagine living in a country with that darkness everywhere, taking the light of the gospel in, seeking to live in a place like that. Governments that are not Christian, governments that are based on other religions, there is a different standard of law in that government. And though there may be laws seemingly made to protect people, just like the Apostle Paul, our missionaries can very quickly find themselves in a, in, a, in a place where their life is in danger and the law doesn't matter. The people will just take it into their own hands. There are missionaries we know of. Papua New Guinea being a good example. How many times have, have uh, missionaries from Papua New Guinea written letters and said, please pray for us quickly. Two tribes are at war. We're stuck in the middle our family, our home. And what has happened? Well, they've been delivered, amen? Because Christians prayed. Because you prayed, amen? Because you held the missionary rope. Let's not forget, brethren, what's the point? It is our divine duty, amen? It is our divine duty to get on board, to get involved and partner with missionaries. To what end? To deliver them from the dangers on the field the dangers of the field. And it's not just physical danger, spiritual dangers. Attacks on the missionary's marriage, for example. That's something you can pray for. Attacks on the missionary's children. Hey, the devil wants to get rid of that missionary. He's had a foothold so long in that pagan, dark country, he's not going to let go of his advantage quickly, is he not? Absolutely. Spiritual wickedness in high places. So what's he going to do? He's going to attack the family. He's going to attack the children. He's going to attack the church, the people in the church. We need to pray for our missionaries that they may be delivered time and time again. And like the Apostle Paul, keep going until the appointed time that Christ takes them home. It's our divine duty for their health. There's something else you can pray for. We know Satan attacks the body. We know that's biblical. Not every health issue is because of Satan. We understand that. But he does attack, does he not? To destroy, to kill, to steal. And the missionary has come to bring the light of the gospel. So it is our duty to pray for them. They will not just be okay. And sometimes we say that. We say, God bless you, brother. We're praying for you. And yet I know that there are times I haven't meant that. I just said that because that's the polite Christian thing to do. But ultimately, when I was saying that, what was I saying? Well, I'm not really committed to hold that rope for you, brother. I'm just saying something polite. But how often have we realized our duty as Christians that if they're going to go, then we need to hold the rope? It is an investment in eternity, and it is our divine duty. Pray for your missionaries, church family. Pray for the unseen dangers. Pray for especially what they write in their prayer letters. And that brings us to our last point in Acts chapter 9. Are you still with me this morning? Please turn back to Acts chapter 9, verse 25. 
We've read it before. I'll read it again. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. Question, why did they take Paul by night? Wouldn't it have been easier if it was during the day? You could have seen where he would have landed and you would have seen where he could go off to and they would have been able to see a bit clearer. You know, in those days, they didn't have electrical lighting. Think about the days that people lived in back then. It was very dark. Why did they take Paul by night to help him escape the city that day? Why not during the day? Because they would have been more easily seen. Simple question for a Sunday morning. It's obvious. The cover of darkness. They could have hidden in the darkness better so that they wouldn't be seen. Why? Because once again, Paul's life was in danger. Now think about this for a moment. If Paul would have been killed, if they caught him, what would have happened to the disciples that night if they would have been caught? Do you see the decision these disciples made that night? They said, you know, Paul is in need. Regardless of the family, the friends, the priorities, the needs that these disciples had, what did they do? They said, we need to help him escape at all costs. And here's the third point. Holding the rope requires sacrifice. Holding the rope requires sacrifice. These disciples put their very lives on the line. Because believe me, if they would have killed the Apostle Paul, if he was caught, what would they have done to the disciples? Accomplices in the act. They would have killed them too. Holding the rope costs something. Thank God they were willing to sacrifice. Amen? This wasn't something they took lightly that night. They were willing to sacrifice, and that's how we need to see missions when it comes to partnership with missionaries. We can get excited about missions, and I trust you will be. And we can, we can have a greater vision and a burden for the field. We can see what God is doing through other missionaries. But listen, it's one thing to get excited, and it's another thing to be willing to sacrifice. And that's what it takes to hold the missionary rope. Paul spoke about the sacrifice of prayer. The sacrifice of prayer. Christian, would you agree that prayer is not something that comes easily at every time? Prayer requires sacrifice. Now, when it comes to holding the rope for missionaries in prayer, we need to know what we're praying for. We need to know what's happening on the field. We need to write down those requests in a place where we can pray over them during the week. Is that true? We need to to, uh, 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 get organized, uh, get a notepad. I know it sounds simple, but this is something that we need to work on. We need to to think about, okay, how am I going to bring these missionaries, uh, young parents before my children? Uh, Do I collect their prayer cards and put it in a photo album and and that's how I collect them, and that's how we pray over them? Or do we, uh, some families, you know, have made a world map and put the prayer cards around them at home, and that's wonderful, but these things all take time. These things all take planning. However you decide to do it, it's going to take time, 
It's going to take sacrifice. And on top of that, once you're organized, then there's the time to pray. You've got a job. You've got family. You've got very little time. But what do I do? How can I be a part of missions when I'm so busy? Well, here's the punchline. Holding the rope requires sacrifice. There are some things that we just have to put to the side that perhaps we want to do that are not as important as holding the missionary rope. Amen? Holding the missionary rope. It requires sacrifice. Prayer is a sacrifice. It will. It will cost you something. But brethren, the rewards are eternal. Amen? The call is a call to duty. What about the sacrifice that Christ spoke of in Matthew 17? Again, you saw the video in Mauritius, a pagan country, a dark country, desperately lost people. We understand that an idol is not just an object made of stone and wood. The Bible says it is, in fact, representing demonic oppression. An idol is, they don't just worship wood and stone, they worship the demons behind them. There is a power behind them. And so there are the disciples as Christ was on the Mount of Transfiguration and and, uh, they were trying to cast out a demon out of a young child. They couldn't. Christ came down from the Mount. You know the story, Matthew 17. and, And they asked, why could not the disciples cast him out? Well, Christ cast out the demon and he said this, how be it, this kind cometh not out, but by prayer and, say it, we don't want to say it, fasting. Now, if we're talking about holding the rope, we're, we're talking about something that requires sacrifice, like these disciples. Fasting requires sacrifice. It requires you and I doing exactly what the Bible teaches, laying aside our needs physically, our wants, and putting God's desires first in order to commit that time to prayer and to pray more effectively for the glory of God, for our missionaries. But that's not something you and I are going to feel like doing, especially after the first meal. Most men, like me, get a bit grumpy. Amen? You miss a meal, you get grumpy, men. We like to eat. And our stomach likes to eat. God made eating. There's nothing sinful about eating. But there are times where God wants us to sacrifice in order to focus on the need of a missionary at hand. And when that request comes in, and when it's an awkward time during the night, because they're on another time schedule, listen, we have to make a choice. Are we going to hold the missionary rope? Or are we going to not? going to fast and pray. I am so thankful that when we sent out emails and messages in the middle of the night for our little Jeremy that was in hospital that had a fractured skull, we know for sure, for sure because we received replies that churches were praying for him. Christians were praying for him. And I know it wasn't a convenient time. But I'm just saying as one that has been blessed and benefited And so thankful for the brethren who prayed for us. Listen, we need to remember that, yes, missions is great. But look, we're not holding the rope if we're not sacrificing in prayer. Amen? 
regular prayer. Not just at the prayer meeting. Absolutely be at the prayer meeting. But during the week. Amen. To carry those prayers forward. Here's what we're talking about. Missions work is teamwork. The sacrifice of prayer. The sacrifice of fasting. And then lastly, the sacrifice of giving. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And I'll close with this. We've looked at verse 17. Look with me in verse 18. Paul says, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell. What are the next words? A sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. You see, there's no such thing as holding the rope without sacrificing. We may think we're involved in missions perhaps because you're in a church that has a strong missionary commitment. But listen, each of those disciples had to hold the rope. Amen? Teamwork is only teamwork if we're all working together as a team. Amen? Are we sacrificing? Giving is a sacrifice. That's what Paul said. But as we give to God, amen, like these believers, to support God's work, it delights God. So much so that it says in verse 18, it is an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God, just like incense wafting up before the throne of God. That is how our giving smells to Almighty God, well-pleasing, acceptable to God, a sweet smell, but don't miss it. It requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. The Pharisee at the temple gave much in his offering. The Lord noted it. He gave much, but then he told his disciples, He's giving much because he has much. He gave of his abundance. But then the poor widow woman came along. She gave very little. But that was the offering that Christ noted most of all. Why? Because she sacrificed. Amen. True giving is noted by the measure of of sacrifice. See, it's going to cost something to support missionaries. Amen? Missions doesn't make sense materially. Hey, we've got a lot of costs in our lives. I mean, living in Sydney, absolutely ridiculous. You know, if you're going to be serious about giving to missions, boy, it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take, hey, I know, I need, I know I've got needs, but listen, I'm just going to trust God that as I put Him first, amen, as He tells me to, All these things shall be added unto me. As I seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He'll look after my needs. But one thing I mustn't do is let go of the rope. Paul could not get down on his own. If those disciples did not take hold and keep hold, he wouldn't have landed safely escape death and danger, and go on to do what God ultimately led him to do.
What about our missionaries? What a frightening thought, letting go of the rope. Amen. Let's not even go there. I trust you see the need this morning. What a privilege we have in investing in eternity. But what a duty we have. And again, without sacrifice, we cannot hold the rope. God bless you, church family. Keep holding the rope. Amen? If you're holding the rope, brother, by God's grace, pray that he can continue to use you to hold the rope. You're doing something much greater than you know. Trust you've seen that this morning. But church family, if, if you're not holding the rope yet, you haven't committed to partnering with that missionary, personally being involved through prayer, giving, amen, fasting. Would you see that need this morning? Would you take that? Christ be praised. Well, let's have every head bowed, every eye closed, and we're going to have a time of invitation. If we could have the pianists come. Uh, what a great challenge this morning. You know, we do have a great privilege, don't we, as a church, to say that we've sent out missionaries in different places. Uh, we as a church family ourselves have, have seen them go. Uh, but then also uh, missionaries that we've supported over the many years and then some to come. And I, I hope that you were challenged this morning and, and perhaps at least reminded about our, our call to support. And so as the piano begins to play, I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions, and I pray that you respond this morning. I wonder, firstly, um, for those of you who are here, and well, I know that uh, in a setting like this, there's probably some guests that we have here. I wonder, firstly, the, really the missionary message is the same message we preach here. It's the message of the gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here this morning, and you know, You've never had a time, there's never been a time in your life where you've put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if there's anyone here, if I was to ask you this question, if you were to die today, would you know for sure if your sins are forgiven, if heaven's your home? Is anyone here this morning just say, Pastor, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what the gospel's about. I've never, never accepted Christ as my Savior. Here's my hand, I, I want to know more about that this morning. Is there anyone here this morning just with an uplifted hand, just say, Pastor, pray for me, pray for me. I don't see any hands. Then church family, if you're a believer, if you're saved, I want to ask you how your commitment is. I wonder if today the Lord spoke to your heart about your support of our missionaries, of the missionaries that we've sent out, the missionaries that we support financially. I wonder if the Lord spoke to your heart this morning. Just say, Pastor, just pray for me. I want to be a support. I want to be a support to our missionaries. Just with an uplifted hand, just say, Pastor, pray for me. All right. I see some hands there. And I wonder if um, there's some of you who previously made a commitment and you're going to be honest this morning and say, my commitment has waned, maybe in the area of faith promise, maybe in the area of, of praying, and certainly in the area of sacrifice. The Lord reminded me and spoke to my heart this morning. Anyone here this morning just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm being honest. My commitments have waned. I see some of hands. Anyone else? see some hands there. Thank you. All right, good. Let's all stand to our feet, no one looking around. And I want to ask you, church, if you raise your hand, why don't you come to the altar this morning? Maybe for you men, you want to bring your family and just say, you know, family, we're going to be that kind of family that's going to hold the rope. 
And so as the piano plays, don't stay in your seat. Come to the altar this morning and, and take some time to pray. Take some time. If you raise your hand, I want to invite you to come. If you raise your hand, come along and uh, let's take some time to pray. Maybe a specific missionary that God spoke to your heart about this morning. And uh, as, a, as a piano plays, why don't we do business with the Lord?